Welcome to Point Forward with Mark Zanetto. On this this episode of Point Forward, we have Kyle Hines. Kyle is a four-time EuroLeague champion. He is the 2007 Southern Conference Player of the Year for the UNC Greensboro Spartans. Um, he's also a three-time runner-up, which means every year that he was at UNCG and playing in the SoCon, he had a, a very good shot at winning the Player of the Year. He's the only player in conference history to do that. Um, he uh, is the star of A Kid from Sicklerville, which is a docuseries about his life in Russia overseas, playing for CSKA uh, Moscow. Uh, he is also a um, producer for EuroLeague Rooks. You can see all of that on his website at Sir Hines, or at SirKyleHines.com or on his Twitter account at, at SirHines. Um, just a just a really great guy. As, as you're gonna you're gonna listen to him, he's really easy to to listen to when he's talking about basketball. Um, you know how he was recruited, the whole deal. So, without further ado, let's welcome Kyle Hines. Thank you. So much to to talk about with you, man. You've done so much with your career, starting with you know UNCG and kind of coming up to this last year, winning another EuroLeague title. So, um, I'll, I'll just I'll just go ahead and start with, I think what a lot of people are interested in is the kind of going from how, how did you, how did you even first find UNCG? How, what was that recruitment, recruiting process? Cause I know you're from, you're from Sickler, Sicklerville, New Jersey. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. Correct. So how, how, how did, how did UNCG find you? Um, you're obviously an undersized uh, center mm-hmm. power forward. Um, you know, it was, it was Fran, was Fran McCaffrey uh, who recruited you. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, so the story actually goes, um, I went to a five-star basketball camp, which, you know, at the time was, uh, you know, one of the most prominent basketball camps, um, you know, before ABCD and, you know, all the camp, all the, you know, senior company camps, you know, majority, you know, majority guys, if you want to get seen, um, you would go to five-star. So I went to five-star and one of the guest speakers, I guess you say guest counselors that was there was Mitch Bonagero. Um, he had just recently got the assistant coaching job at UNC Greensboro. Um, so I had, you know, I had kind of, you know, nobody had really known me from up to that point. Um, like I said, I come from a small town and, and uh, um, I didn't play AAU. So um, I didn't go to many camps. So, you know, when I first came, um, I impressed him. And not only did I impress him, I impressed the the founder of the camp, Howard Gar- uh, Garfinkel. So, um, Fran, I mean, uh, Mitch had just got the job, like I said, at UNC Greensboro. So, um, you know, obviously he went back and he told uh, Fran McCaffrey um, about me. Um, and Fran, he's originally from the South. He's really from the South Jersey, Philadelphia area. Okay. So um, his brother, his brother still lives here. And I think his brother works for, I think, the Inquirer, the newspaper or something like that. So he told his brother to come to one of my games. Um, and I guess his brother kind of gave, I guess you could say, a cosign about me. Um, and then, then from there, um, you know, I started talking to Fran, started getting to know him better. Um, and then UNC Greensboro was the only visit I took. Um, you know, while I had, uh, um, you know, when, when you, you had the opportunity to go visit school, UNC Greensboro sure. was the, the first and last visit I took. Um, you know, once I came to Greensboro, um, I not only fell in love with the city, but I fell in love with the campus. Um, you know, I felt like, you know, um, I felt like Fran and his family and the coaching staff there and the people there were really genuine. So, you know, I told my mom, you know, right after I left the visit, this was like in September, right before my senior year, I said, this is the school I want to go to. Um, and everybody was trying to talk me out of it. They were like, you know, cause I, I was kind of a late bloomer, like I said, and I was just kind of bursting on the scene. Um, I just started getting attention nationally. I just started getting attention from scholarships and stuff like that. But, um, I, I fell in love with UC Greensboro and I, and, and that was that pretty much. 
So, you know, fast forward, you had a, you had a really successful mm-hmm. freshman year, um, averaged 13.5, 13.6 points, 8.6 rebounds. Um, you're runner-up for Southern Conference Player of the Year as a freshman. Mm-hmm. What? So what was that like when, when Fran McCaffrey left to Siena? Because, you know, now we're in this kind of transfer portal world where yeah. almost everybody leaves, even at the hint of adversity. Um, yeah. Which some 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 in my opinion I don't regret or I don't I don't um you know uh, begin anyone those those choices but I'm curious yeah. what that was like for you um, in the in going into the 05 season. Um, I mean it was definitely devastating. It was difficult. Um, you know, hearing that he left. Um, you know, because like I said, obviously, you know, not only did I come to the school, um, you know, for the university itself, but I came to school mainly for him. Sure. Um, you know, after having, you know, such an incredible run our freshman season, we, you know, we were one one game away from, um, you know, winning the uh, winning the SoCon tournament and, and getting mm-hmm. to the, you know, the big dance. So, you know, I, I had high hopes coming in for the next season and I enjoyed playing for him. So um, when he left, um, it was definitely kind of like, a, I guess, a, I wouldn't say turning point, but it definitely questioned, um, you know, whether or not I wanted to stay there. Um you know, I had had thought about, you know, transferring and, you know, some other people thought that I can, you know, because of the season I had, I can go up, you know, possibly go up to, you know, possibly maybe an ACC school or even, you know, go go back closer to home to Atlantic 10 school or uh, or even, you know, Fran, you know, he, he mentioned that, you know, he wanted me to come follow him uh, to Siena. Really? So I definitely had, uh, you know, some thoughts and, you know, I definitely thought about it. Um, but for me, you know, I enjoyed being in Greensboro too much. Um, I enjoy, you know, my teammates. I enjoy the, the friendship and the bond that I started with them. Um, and, you know, to me, there was too many pros about staying versus, you know, cons. So, you know, I didn't want to have to sit out a full year of basketball. And I, I, like I said, I fell in love with Greensboro. So I said there wasn't, you know, obviously, you know, Fran left and it was tough for me. But obviously there, there wasn't enough reasons for me to want to leave. So. Um, I stayed, and I think, you know, it was one of the, you know, best decisions I made in my life to stay, um, you know, stay and continue to play there. What what about Greensboro? Because I, I moved down to Greensboro from New York mm-hmm. um, in 2011. Yeah. So I, ju- I just missed I just missed your era. Okay. <laughs> so, um, but no, but I'm curious because I I, grew, I, went, I moved down here, and, um, man, like, the, the city has changed in almost eight years that I've been oh, down man. here. Yeah, it's been incredible. So it's got to be crazy for, for you to visit now from where from when you first moved in 2004. Yeah, I mean, it's the – first of all, when I first actually got down there, it was, like, culture shock to me. Sure. Because, you know, I, obviously you kind of you kind of felt it too, being from up north and, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's totally different. You know, once you go down south, um, you know, everything is different. You know, the culture is different. The food is different. Um, the lifestyle, everything's a lot slower, um, you know, compared to being at home. And I joke, even like the squirrels are like moving in slow motion. Like I remember like, you know, <laughs> you know, going on campus and the squirrels are even like, you know, chilling versus like, you know, at home, I'm used to everybody moving such a fast pace. Yep. So initially in the beginning, it was tough. Um, but, um, you know, I think in, um, I had, I had three other teammates that were from up North, my roommate, Kevin Alexiak, he was from the same region. So we kind of leaned on each other, um, to kind of get through it. And like I said, I mean, I kind of grew to love it. I think, you know, I, I started to love the people, the love of the Southern culture, um, how friendly everybody was, um, you know, how kind of like the Greensboro community is kind of close in the community. Um, you know, the city is big, but at the same time, it's, I guess you could say it's small because, you know, many people know many people. So you kind of have the same network of people throughout. Um, and I just kind of fell in love with the college atmosphere. I mean, I, I think that North Carolina is the best state to go to if you want to kind of get that full college feel. 
because there's so many schools within one one area, especially in sure. Greensboro. There's so many universities in one area, and you can. There's so many diverse universities. I mean, you can go to different universities and go in different places and kind of get a different feel for each campus. So for me, I think that was kind of the thing that I fell in love with, fell in love with most with the you know the the ability of, of of the college lifestyle and also just the people there in Greensboro. What was your favorite place? And I wonder. I'm gonna see if it still exists um, that to eat down here outside of being on campus. Like if you went off the of campus to to grab food, what would be the place to go? Uh, there was two places. Um, there was uh, Yum Yums because yeah, yeah. we were broke. We were broke college <laughs> students. <laughs> so you know to go to Yum Yums and you can get at the time you can get a hot dog for a dollar. Um, you know, I don't think that's I don't think dogs. that's changed, man. I don't know if that's yeah, changed really? as far as yeah. I might be a, maybe like fifty cents more, but it's it's yeah. uh, it's pretty close. Yeah, it was super cheap. You can get like a plain hot dog for a dollar if you added like cheese or sauerkraut or whatever. Um, you can get it for like whatever. So you get like almost like a full meal, like uh, a hot dog and a cherry wine for like, you know, $3 or whatever. Um, yeah. And then Natty Greens. Uh, Natty Greens downtown was definitely, uh, um, you know, a favorite of mine just because, you know, it was just a nice atmosphere, was, you know, somewhere to go to. Um, especially when I got 21, you know, I was actually, you know, be able to go there, you know, you know try, um, hang out there a little bit later. So I think those are kind of the two, uh, my two favorite places. Definitely Young Young's. Young Young's is definitely um uh, a popular, you know, popular destination amongst uh, me and my teammates. There was a place, and it just it just closed down. That's why I wanted to, I wanted to see if you'd mention it. But it's mm-hmm. it's fine. It's called Your House. It was a diner on Battleground, and it just uh-huh. clo- it's, it's closing this week after fifty five years. In really? Yep. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. I've, I've ate I've eaten there before. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It's yeah, kind of wow. crazy. I've, I've 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 been there a few times, and you know, I've been kind of looking at these staple original like Greensboro places, and uh, people mention that sometimes. And I had I just noticed that it was there was. It was closing. Yeah, there's so many places, especially like on like uh, on on Battleground, um, on uh, what's the Spring Garden or Spring Garden Street. And yeah, Holden, absolutely. All those, there's so many like restaurants. Like when I I went back last summer with my sister, she just recently graduated from University of Greensboro. So I went back last summer, and it was almost like nostalgia because you see some mm-hmm. of the places, the same buildings, but the names have changed, and you know different things. And then obviously, you know, even uh, Tate Street has you know expanded and got bigger. So there was like so many different things that like when I was there it was like we would go down to the the there was like a Chinese um a Chinese food store and you can get like the lunch special for like four dollars or you know the student special for four dollars it was like an entree and an egg roll or just at that time they had a Pizza Hut I think it was Pizza Hut or Domino's they had the five 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 so there was so many different places but now going back is like seeing like you know how how big and um you know downtown has gotten and even Spring Garden Street like how you know expansive the the campus has gotten compared to when I was there. Yeah, when I wrote an article for uh, the when the when, when the team played at, at University of Kentucky this year, I, yeah. I referenced I referenced when I first moved down here, hearing people call Greensboro Greens boring, and it's not <laughs> it's not it's not it's not that anymore. Nah, I can tell nah, you that not at all. It's lively, man. It's definitely yep, lively for sure. Um, yeah. That that nickname has gone away pretty quickly. Um, yeah. But yeah, listen. I I I wanted to I wanted to say first off, congratulations on this past season, man. I mean, Thank another you. another Euro League title. That's Thank four. You. Are you correct me if I'm wrong. You're the first American to win four Euro League titles. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, that's correct. That's an amazing accomplishment, man. Thank um, you. You talked about culture shock, and I don't mean to skip around, but sometimes yeah. you're, just, you're you're kind of uh, kind of leading the ship for me here. You, you know, you talk about <laughs> culture shock from from New Jersey now to the South. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's culture? What's the what's the culture shock from a kid from a small town in New Jersey? Because I'm from a small town in Connecticut, I can't imagine what mm-hmm. you've gone through um, 
you know, in the in in your years in in playing overseas. I mean, you you've been in Italy, you've been in Germany, yeah. you've been in Greece, correct? Mm-hmm. And yeah. now currently you're in in Moscow. Mm-hmm. Um, what's it like from a culture standpoint? I know that's a lot of that's a loaded question because that's about four yeah. or five different cultures. But mm-hmm. just take just take your current um, situation. You know, you being in Russia, what's that like? Uh, since you've been there since 2013, um, is that correct? Or 2014? Yeah, 2013. Uh, 2013. Yeah. So um, you've been there six years. What's 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 yeah. that been like? Um, initially, it was initially I was kind of skeptical. Um, obviously, you know when I, I wanted to go just because of the team, um, the team name and, and, and the team, the powerhouse and the reputation, the history of the team. But I was skeptical about going to Moscow and going to Russia, obviously, because, you know, as Americans, sure. um, you know, Russia has kind of been our natural, I guess you could say, uh, adversaries and, you know, yeah. kind of a natural, um, you know, with propaganda and everything, you know, for us. So it was like, you know, all the villains in the cartoons growing up have been, you know, Russians or Russian spies, you know, um, Rocky and Bullwinkle, you know, uh, Rocky and, you know, everything. Rocky, you know, and, Rocky the, and Drago. <laughs> yeah, Rocky and Drago or even... Uh, even in WWF, you know, it was like, you know, always, you know, Hulk Hogan going against the communist, the Iron Sheik from, from Russia. So, um, you know, I was, I had been there before, but I never had lived there extensively. So when I got there, I, I definitely was a little bit skeptical, um, just a little bit nervous. Um, and then I was coming from Athens, Greece, which, you know, is, is beautiful. You know, I was living on the beach. It was sure. I was wearing shorts in January and, you know, t-shirts in February and, um, you know, so it was a totally different lifestyle. So when I get to Moscow, Russia, um, and October it starts snowing, I was like, oh man, what did I get myself into? Mm. Cause you know, I just wasn't used to it. I mean, obviously, you know, like you said, we're being from the North, the, you know, North or East coast, you know, we, we experienced harsh winters, but I never experienced a winter like quite like this. So initially it was, it was difficult. I, I'm not going to lie. It was difficult because people there, um, you know, in the beginning, I felt like, you know, people, they were kind of cold, you know, wasn't necessarily like, you know, people weren't actually open, um, you know, as far as personality wise. And um, Moscow is such a huge city that it's almost intimidating. Um, so it's like, you know, you kind of don't want to travel and go places just from the fear of like, you know, not the unknown and not knowing necessarily what you want to do. Um, but after a while, I would say after the first like three or four months, that all kind of wore off and I began to love Moscow. Um, you know, I, I got an opportunity to kind of explore the city a little bit more. I met some more people, some more, um, you know, um, you know, friends and teammates, and they kind of took me to different places. And like I said, it's six, seven years later, I'm still here. Um, and I, I look at now, like we always joke now, like I always, I'm, I'm home now, but we always talk like uh, me and my wife, he says, yeah, we, we did this at home and we did this at home. And we we're talking about home, we're referring to our apartment and our, our home in Moscow because, you know, we've been there so long that, so That's now crazy. Russia is Russia is home to us, which is you know kind of almost something to say. Like we're sitting in our house right now, our actual home, and we're like, "Oh yeah, my daughter left this at home." And so <laughs> it is kind of it's something it's kind of kind of crazy to kind of think about, but. That's where we kind of felt felt the comfort level of being in Moscow and being in Russia has grown for us. And like I said, I've been very fortunate to be in some great cities and some great situations. And every city has kind of given me something a a little bit different um, type of culture, and I enjoy it. I mean, I think that's kind of the best. Um, the best part about playing basketball overseas is like, you know, getting, getting an opportunity to be immersed um, in the culture. Um, and I always say it all the time, you know, you've probably seen a lot of my, my interviews. It's like I'm, I'm very fortunate and blessed to live in cities um, that people save up their whole entire lifetimes to visit a weekend or for four or five days. So for me, like, and I'm blessed that, you know, the opportunity to see to see the Coliseum and drive by the Coliseum like it's your local convenience store 
or you know drive drive by the um the Kremlin um you know like you know like you know people drive by um you know whatever so you know for me it's like you know I I get the opportunity to see these things on a daily um and you know I just feel very fortunate for those opportunities yeah man it's uh you've 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 lived a very interesting life so far um I have to I have to say like you know you 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 got to experience college basketball and you got to experience kind of playing uh, the sport that you love in a lot of different places that people go for vacation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. which is which is kind of which is kind of amazing. Um, yeah. So my my uh, my question to you from uh, from a basketball standpoint is is what are the what are the differences that you think um, from a Euro Euro League perspective to you know if you're an NBA fan uh, or even a college even even if you're not an NBA fan what are the differences going from college to EuroLeague and then kind of the subtle differences between play in EuroLeague and say uh, NBA ball. I would say the the main difference between college and EuroLeague is just the the basketball IQ um, that you need to have to be successful. Um, like you're playing against you know experienced guys. Um, so you know in college you know most of the time you know when you're in trouble you just put your head down and drive to the basket. Um, put your head down and make some type of play. You kind of you kind of you kind of use your uh, um, your athletic abilities or you know your isolation abilities, whatever your individual characteristics to kind of you know solve issues or solve problems. Um, but in in European basketball, you can't do it. The game is more of a team game. It's more of a collective game, um, and defenses are a little more, I guess you could say, intricate and more sophisticated um, than they are in college. Um, players are obviously better. The game is obviously a lot more physical. They allow you, they, they uh, a lot of players kind of get away with a lot more stuff. You have to, um, it's mentality, the mentality, the mental part of the game. You have to read the game. Um, and that's the things that European players usually do so well. Um, they read the game, they read situations, they make adjustments versus situations versus, you know, when you're in college basketball, it's basically like running into a wall. Like, you know, I'm not going to go around the wall. I'm just going to run through the wall. And that was kind of my mentality when I was in, you know, at UNCG versus when, you know, I remember my first game um, uh, when I was in Italy um, and we were like getting down by like five or six points. And I kind of took on, uh, you know, the same mentality I did when I was in Greensboro. And I just put my head down and I just tried to make a play. And I ended up making like three or four like dumb plays because the defense knew what I was doing. And my coach like cursed me out and I didn't really get an understanding of it. Um, but I, I kind of like now looking back when I kind of get it, like I said, it's just about, you have to read the game. And I think that, I think that's the same main difference between, um, the European basketball and NBA basketball. Obviously NBA basketball is like some of the most talented players in the world. Um, but the difference is European basketball, EuroLeague basketball is, is far more competitive because we play less games. Um, so since we played 30 games versus the 80, we have a 30 game regular season versus the 82 game regular season. Every game matters. Every possession matters. If you lose yeah. two games or three games in a row um, in your league, you can go from being second place to, to not being in playoff contention versus, you know, in the NBA, if you go on a four-game losing streak, it doesn't necessarily matter that much. It's not even – nobody's really, you know, turning over and sleep. But in Europe, if you lose two games in a row, it's like all oh, – the floodgates is open, you know. <laughs> so, you know, I think that's kind of the biggest difference. And I think also in the NBA has some uh, more entertainment value to it. Um, obviously, you know, the – the game is geared towards the offensive players, geared to high-scoring games. You know, they want to kind of draw fans and draw attention versus um, EuroLeague basketball um, is, you know, the way I kind of equate it to is like chess and checkers. EuroLeague basketball is chess. Everything is kind of slow. It's kind of methodical. There's less possessions. 
and in, in NBA basketball, checkers, everything is about speed. And, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you kind of just, you know, kind of going. So to me, that's kind of, what I think is kind of the biggest difference. Do, do you ever wonder what could have been? I mean, now, now the, you know, and I'm, this is, this is not a regret question. It's more of yeah. if you had been uh, born six years later and the NBA is, you know, the NBA is where it is now where a guy your size is kind of coveted in some of the positions yeah. that they play, you know, being a, being a, a stretch four being a, a like a Jordan Bell type with the Warriors, yeah. um, do you do you ever do you ever look at it and go, man, you know, I I wouldn't even say a regret, just look at it and go, man, what could have been if I had I graduated in two thousand and twelve versus two thousand eight? Um, I mean, honestly, not really. Um, I mean, obviously, the, the the NBA game was a lot different than when I was there. You know, the NBA was sure. a lot more cook, it was a lot more cookie cutter. You know, it was like if you're a small four, you got to be between six this six six and whatever six eight. If you're a power four, yeah. you got to be six ten. Um, but I think also, I mean, it was the same way in Europe. And I think, you know, I was just fortunate enough to come, come at the right time in European basketball where, you know, there weren't any undersized centers and I was able to come, um, at the time and, you know, kind of make, um, you know, be able to find a niche for myself over here. Um, and I think, you know, by that happening in European basketball, I think that's what kind of made the translation over to the NBA. Um, and I think that's why, you know, the NBA is kind of positionless now. And, and you just said there's a lot of undersized guys, a lot of guys like, you know, with Draymond Green or, sure. like you said, guys like that. So um, do I think, you know, if I would have, you know, if I was six years younger, um, would I have a, you know, place in today's game? Yeah. But, you know, that's just basketball. That's the sports in general. I mean, that's just the evolution of the game. Um, you know, I'm sure, you know, there's guys that played 20 years ago. Um, you know, that whatever that, you know, wish that, you know, they can have the same opportunity um, nowadays. Maybe they would have played sure. better. So it, it's all about the evolution of the game. But like I said, I, I wouldn't trade it for the world because, you know, I, playing basketball in the EuroLeague and, and European basketball has afforded me opportunities that um, if I probably played in the NBA, I probably never had these opportunities. So if I if I was your publicist, I'd say that's a great answer, man. Oh, that's, thank you, man. That's true. But it's the truth. I mean, I yeah. can tell like how genuine you yeah. are, but it's a it's a it's a fantastic answer. And, um, yeah. Um, so I'm gonna I want to go into some of your projects. One of them was uh, a while back, and it was I, I don't know I don't know the exact date because I couldn't find it, but mm-hmm. it was a face to face Gillette campaign with your dad yeah. Reggie. Yeah. Um, how, how cool was that to kind of do, do something with your father? Uh, I'm close with my dad too, so like, I'm just curious like what that would have been like, um, you know, when when you were doing that project with Gillette. Talk, can you hear me? Sorry, you broke up. Yeah, I didn't hear the last, the last question. Uh, no, just to, just talk about just talk about um, you know how how the face to face campaign kind of started and, and and how that all how that all went down. Um, it was uh, it was my uh, my marketing, I guess you say, manager or partner. Um, they kind of brought the opportunity. They were this this new media company, one three seven media. Um, you know, was looking to kind of um, put together some content. Um, you know, talking about, um, you know, how, how players and how athletes um, kind of went through adversities when they were younger um, and how they kind of, you know, use their parents and, and I guess you could say that, you know, role models to kind of, you know, face those adversities and what type of lessons they learned from them. So, um, like I said, we was able to get the, get the opportunity to uh, be a part of the, the campaign. It was a, a Gillette campaign. Um, and it was awesome. It was awesome, you know, for me to kind of, you know, um, my dad really doesn't like to be in the forefront of anything. He doesn't like to really do, um, you know, interviews or anything like that. I mean, even when I was in like in high school or college, you know, he was always, he was the dad that sat in the top of the stands, like in the corner, um, and didn't necessarily say anything, didn't necessarily cheer, didn't necessarily, he just kind of sat there kind of almost like stone face in the background. 
Um, and he's still almost kind of like that to today. So for me to kind of get the experience to kind of do that with him um, and also kind of get a video of that with him, um, it's kind of priceless. It's kind of, you know, something that, you know, I'll have forever and he'll have forever. Um, you know, something that you know, I can eventually show my children. Um, so I think it was just super cool just to kind of have them and kind of have that content piece, um, you know, something that, you know, we can kind of share in a moment together. That's awesome, man. Um, what about uh... – just a kid from Sicklerville, the docu series. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find it on your website at sir at sirkylehines.com uh, backslash docu series. Um, what, what was that like? You have let's see, four episodes, um, mm-hmm. and you know, just talk about what, what was that? What was was it intrusive? Did you kind of did you ever feel like the cameras were kind of too much? Like, what's that like? Because obviously, I've never been followed by by a camera crew before. So, what what, what was that like for you and your family? Um, I mean, it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't smart. I mean, my wife and my, my daughter, they loved it. Like my wife, she loved to be in front of the camera. So she, she loved it. In the beginning for me, um, it was a little bit, um, I guess you say a little bit uncomfortable, um, just because like you said, uh, I'm, I'm not like the, the most, I guess, animated person, um, most vocal person. So, you know, for me, it was like, I didn't want to necessarily, I wanted everything to kind of be natural. I didn't want it to kind of feel forced. Um, so it was kind of weird to kind of, like you said, have a camera or have, you know, somebody with the camera kind of following me do this like random things, like, you know, sitting down watching TV. <laughs> it's like, how do you act naturally yeah. you know, sitting down watching TV with somebody with a camera in your face or sitting down eating or something like that. So, um, the first couple episodes, it was kind of like that. Um, but after a while, you know, I kind of started kind of getting really into it. Um, and it was fun. I mean, it was fun. I mean, the main reason why we decided to do the project was, um, because every time I would come home back to the States. Um, people always ask, you know, what is, you know, what is your life like in Moscow? What is life like in Russia? What is life like as far as being an overseas basketball player? So, you know, I was like, you know what? I feel like there may be kind of a niche um, there. So we were like, you know, instead of, you know, always telling people, why don't we just show them? Yeah. So I was kind of wanted to show people kind of like some of the everyday experiences I go through, some of the everyday experiences that my family goes through, and just kind of the ups and downs of kind of, you know, being a basketball player and being away from your friends and family for, uh, you know, for, for that long of a period. Um, and then also for younger basketball players, too, because I remember when I was coming up, I was coming from, you know, coming to UNCG. I had no idea what life was like as a UNC, as, as a, a basketball player overseas. So it was like, you know, I felt like, you know, maybe it be, might be one or two kids or a kid in college or a kid in high school that has, you know, the wants to play overseas. And maybe, they'll, you know, they'll click on, you know, search on Google or search on YouTube and, um, you know, our videos will pop up and, you know, that'll kind of give them, make them feel more comfortable about, you know, living overseas and, and playing overseas and also showing that, you know, that you can make a, a career overseas if you don't go to the NBA. You also have a, um, a, uh, another project out that you don't star in, but that you're mm-hmm. kind of behind the scenes on, which is Euroleague Rooks. Um, yeah. And that kind of, and to, you know, expand on this as you will, it's a, it's a, it's a docu, another docu-series or reality show based off of, um, European league rookies that are kind of coming into, you know, different parts of the different parts of Europe yeah, uh, and kind of following their transition from either playing college ball or, or wherever they come from. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's correct. I mean, it was, it was mainly guys that we, we wanted to pick guys that were coming from different. Um, we picked five guys and we wanted to pick guys that are all kind of coming from different, different places and kind of coming from different situations um, to kind of paint, um, you know, I guess you would say a different story and kind of a different illustration um, or what life is like, like you said, for somebody playing basketball in Europe for the first time, or playing the Euroleague for the first time. Um, yeah, I'm 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 impressed with that one. Um, the first episode was great. Thank you. Uh, you know, and obviously Thank the you. subsequent ones are, are fantastic. I think it's a really good thing because for me personally, mm-hmm. following whether it's UNCG or the SoCon or mid-major basketball as a whole, 
these are a lot of the places where, you know, you know, outside of, you know, the guys, maybe a guy like Damian Lillard or a CJ McCollum, a lot of these guys are playing overseas mm-hmm. when they get out of school. Yeah, exactly. So you see exactly. a lot of players that you kind of notice and go, oh, yeah, I remember him playing. Um, and that's that's awesome. Yeah. I, lo- I love to kind of find out about, about guys and where they've where they've been. So it's a it's been a really uh, fun thing to, to kind of follow. Um, yeah, that was that was kind of part of the motivation of one of the reasons why we did it, because it was like um, a lot of times like these, these college players, or even some like college superstars or like you say, your local favorite college player. And, you know, once they graduate school, if they're not playing the NBA. You're just like, Yo, what happened to them? Or even, you know, some people is like some people look at playing overseas basketball as almost like you're being ex- exiled. Right. Like you're just being put away there, and, you know, and people just like kind of stop following you. So we, we want to kind of show people that, uh, you know, that these guys are, you know, what these guys are experiencing in the lifestyles that they live. And it's like, you know, some of them um, are living, you know, pretty great lifestyles. Like, you know, you've seen like Nigel, um, you know, Nigel Wim Goss and Zach Day, like yeah. their apartment complexes. And, you know, he had a, you know, a, a live in a penthouse with a with a pool and a movie theater and all that stuff. So we like, we just kind of wanted to show, you know, kind of showcase those things, like, you know, how these guys are living and how they're kind of getting immersed in, uh, in the culture. Yeah, and I, it's it's so funny you mentioned that. I had a conversation with a, a buddy who's who's uh, you know probably fifteen years older than me, and he was actually a basketball player and talking about how some of his buddies played overseas and how different it was, mm-hmm. you know, probably twenty years ago to now. Um, and it's mm-hmm. it's like it's great that you're kind of showing that there's you know other options you know and, and other options for for great basketball um, to follow and to watch. And it's such like a small community now to watch you know global sports, so you can you can follow. Euroleague basketball you don't you don't need to you don't need to live in Russia you don't need to live in in Germany or, or anywhere to kind of get that so that's that's great um oh, I, I really appreciate what you're doing um so let's 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 bring it back um kind of full circle here and and talk about kind of your impact I feel like your impact at UNCG is still kind of felt today because listen man you're one of three players maybe maybe fourth now with Francis Alonso I'm sure he's gonna get his number retired mm-hmm. um you know, that's, that's hanging in the rafters, the Greensboro Coliseum. Um, you know, you, you have a program now in, in Greensboro that was successful when you were there and, and also successful with guys like Scott Hartzell before you. And now with coach Miller and um, the stuff that this, this past, you know, team from the five or six years in, in, in present, um, kind of talk about how proud you are of, of, of where this program has, has come um, from when, from you, from when you were there, even before you and, and now. So you have to you have to repeat that whole question because I lost the I lost the uh, it was all choppy so I couldn't hear anything. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. Uh, can you hear me, bud? Yep, I hear you. Sorry about that. No problem. Um, no. So the last thing I was going to ask you was to kind of bring it back, kind of all full circle to UNCG. You know, mm-hmm. how how proud are you as an alum from where you were? Uh, you know, for one, where the program was before you got there. You obviously elevated that, and then there was kind of a, you know, a little bit of low period, and then and then when West took over, still building, and now where it's at now, um, how, how do you feel about where the program is and and where it's going? Um, I'm super proud. Um, you know, number one, I'm super proud of um of, of West. Um, first of all, the culture that he's trying to build there and the culture that he has built there. Um, obviously, you know, it takes some time to kind of establish that, but I mean, you know, he's done a, a tremendous job. Not only him, but the the, the coaches there and, and the players are there and the whole athletic department, you know, to kind of see the support um, the city of Greensboro has given um, the team has, has been, you know, amazing for me to watch. 
um, you know, when they were making their tournament run, um, you know, last year, um, you know, to see, you know, to see the, the watch parties and to see, um, you know, how many people kind of, you know, got behind them um, definitely made me super proud. Um, like I said, I, I know a lot of the guys just from like, you know, obviously from you know, social media um, and kind of, you know, stay in communication with them. And me and Wes, we, you know, we talk, um, you know, a couple of times, um, you know, a couple of times a year. And we kind of, you know, he sends me text messages, I send him text messages. So I'm, I'm super proud. And I mean, and even as an alumni for us, you know, having the ability to kind of, you know, um, you know, talk a little bit trash. I mean, talk a little bit trash to, you know, some of our other teammates and stuff like that. When you see your team um, in the brackets and you throwing out the brackets and March Madness and stuff like that and us watching the games and us sending text messages back and forth to each other. Those are the type of things, you know, that we live for. So it's super awesome to kind of see their progress. And, you know, I'm really excited for uh, for their future. Um, you know, I think that, you know, Wes has done an incredible job elevating the program. And like I said, I mean, it's, you know, right now, it's definitely one of the best mid-major programs over the last couple of years. Yeah, man, for sure. And and last thing, uh, the, mm-hmm. the, the basketball tournament. Talk about yeah. that, man. It's you're gonna be you're gonna be in Greensboro uh, pretty soon. So uh, yeah. promote that a little bit and tell people where they can come watch you play. Um, it's exciting. It's definitely exciting. Um, you know, obviously the, the TBT has grown over the past couple of years. The tournament. Um, you know, for people that don't know, it's uh, it's kind of a I guess you say a round robin tournament. The winner gets two million dollars. The team that wins gets two million dollars. Um, we have a team this year where we're, we are going to be in the Greensboro Regional. Um, so I'm excited for the opportunity to get back to playing in Greensboro. I think we play in the Coliseum, if I'm correct. I think the game is – the first game is uh, July 19th. Um, and it's super exciting for me to kind of get back to Greensboro and have an opportunity to play again. I haven't, you know, haven't played in Greensboro since 2008. Um, so it's going to be special to see a lot of old faces, a lot of familiar faces. Um, and get opportunity to kind of get that old nostalgic feeling of playing in the Coliseum, um, you know, playing in the Coliseum again. So I'm super excited about that. Um, you know, I think our, our team um, in our region, and it, it should be a – hopefully we're going to try to do um, – not only do some basketball stuff, but also do some, you know, off-the-court stuff and and uh, meet some people and meet some uh, meet some of the kids there. So I'm definitely looking forward to it. It should be fun. Well, great, man. I appreciate you coming on the show, and uh, I look forward to I'll try to get out there and, and get a face-to-face cool. with you and, and meet you. We We'd just like to thank Kyle Hines for coming to the show, uh, Point Forward with Mark Zanetto. Uh, really excited to um, have the best player to ever don a UNCG basketball uniform uh, on the show today. Again, apologize for any technical difficulties. You know, we obviously – didn't get to sit down in a studio. We did this uh, remote with cell phones, uh, but I thought the audio was was pretty damn good. And and also um, we got a you know good 30, 35 minutes of, of listening to uh, the goat of UNCG basketball, and you know arguably one of the if not the best player in Euroleague history, the best American player in Euroleague history with his four times uh, a champion, only only American to do that. Um, just really cool to talk to him about uh, the culture. Uh, of being uh, overseas and you know and then at the end talking about the culture that that coach Miller has has uh, created at UNCG briefly um, and what that means to him as an alum so um, go see him at the TBT the basketball tournament in Greensboro uh, check out his website at uh, sirkylehines.com uh, he's on Twitter at let me check really quick at Sir Hines um, all of this will be on every uh, platform that you can think of so um, you can check out point forward going forward with uh, other great 
guests in the future. We were on hiatus for a while, but we're back with the GOAT, the greatest of all time. And uh, just an awesome guy in Kyle Hines. Really, really happy to talk to him. And um, hope you enjoyed. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks.